Welcome back. It is a uh, Bob Seeger Turn the Page Tuesday. The Buffalo is back. That means Parker Thune is back from Brent's press conference. Man, when I got the Buffalo, you wanted to crown it the Great White Buffalo. That's right. You wanted to add the prefix great. Mm-hmm. So we can thus play the far, Ted Nugent song. Thus far, it has been anything but great. It has been. At uh, least as far as the Sooners are concerned. We are trying to determine which is the stronger curse, the White Buffalo or Drake Dykin. And uh, we'll see how it plays out the rest of the season. Um, you know, I, I heard some of Brent's presser. I cut a couple clips, but I'm trying to edit while I'm listening and trying to edit a little Texas stuff while I'm listening. Uh, what did you make of Brent's presser today? Did he get a little bit feisty a couple times? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say feisty. Um, he pushed back on a couple of questions because he didn't really feel – I remember there was one time, I think it was – my former boss, John Hoover, that asked him, hey, Brent, last week we talked about guys playing with a fear of failure. And Brent was kind of like, did I call it that? And it wasn't really like a combative. He, he kind of clarified. He was like, Look, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't remember saying that. So, yeah, I, I, I will say he seemed more upbeat than you would have expected him to be coming off a 55-24 to 24 loss to a TCU team that should not be beating the University of Oklahoma 55-24. to And that's no knock on TCU. That's just the reality. Obviously, the most interesting thing was that he didn't commit to Davis Bevel as his starting quarterback yeah, for Yeah, Saturday. that's right. And uh, we don't know the status of Dylan Gabriel. He's got to keep going through protocol. It's not time to know the answer right now on Dylan Gabriel. And he didn't talk about what's going to happen with Wanya Morris or Eric Gray or Theo Weiss or Marcus Major, Billy Bowman. Uh, Billy Bowman. Probably unlikely, right? But we don't know yet. He said it's too early in the week to know the status of those injuries. But what do you make of what he's saying at quarterback? Are, are you with Josh Helmer and thinking maybe that Nick Evers plays? Josh Helmer wants Nick Evers in there now. I I am with Josh Helmer on this. Are you? And so I, I'm not saying I, – I, I'm not necessarily going to raise hell if it isn't Nick Evers that plays. But I think we saw last week what Davis Bevel is. He looked very much like a guy who would have been third on the depth chart at Pitt last year. So if you're trying to go win this game, I think you got to take a shot in the dark, and you got to either go with a guy in general booty who just played a full season of JUCO ball last year. So if you're talking about in-game reps at the collegiate level, even the JUCO level, general booty has more of them than anybody in that quarterback stable outside of Dylan Gabriel. Or you got to roll with the guy who has more arm talent than anybody among that quarterback core, and that's Nick Evers. I'm not convinced it's close as far as pure arm talent. Obviously, arm talent is only one piece of the quarterback puzzle, and the question with Nick Evers is, is he ready enough mentally? Uh, is he mature enough to be able to step into an environment like that and be able to succeed. He didn't look that way in the spring game. And the spring game's the spring game. I get it. And again, he he hadn't had any time hardly in the system. All of that. I totally get it. And they're talking about he's making progress. But man, this is this would be a very big stage. There is no doubt. No doubt about it. Do you think there's any gamesmanship going on with uh, the quarterback situation at both oh, schools? Because Sark is not saying anything either. He's just of saying, course. we're going to put the best player out there. And that's what coaches do. But... Um, all right, if you had to lay money right now on who trots out there as the starting quarterback Saturday, you know, and, and obviously I'm talking about if Dylan Gabriel can't go, who do you think it is? I was about to say, if you're taking Dylan Gabriel out of the equation, because 
Look, I right now, if I had to lay money on anybody, I would actually say Dylan Gabriel plays Saturday. Really? And that's not yeah. that's not intel. Well, there that's was just the, my that's my opinion. You had because the you had the KGB spies, you know, that had the video out last night that he was out there. It wasn't in pads or anything, but and that that very fact alone puts him ahead of schedule as yes. far as recovery is concerned. So, I think there's a very good chance Dylan Gabriel suits up Saturday. If not, I think it's Davis Bevel. You know, here's the deal. Tom Brady could go out there. Aaron Rodgers could go out there. Lamar Jackson could go out there. Pat Mahomes could go out there. Unless they solve their defensive issues, it's really not going to matter. You know? Uh, And that's the question. You would think that it couldn't get any worse. But we kind of thought that after the Kansas State game. And it did get worse. So, anyway. All right. uh, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Clearwater Sooner says, splitting reps between the three seems like a mistake. One should be the guy and get the majority of the first-team reps. Needs as much preparation as possible for someone that hasn't started a game yet. Well, here's the thing. You've got to keep in mind, as we just mentioned, there's still a good chance Dylan Gabriel plays this football game. So, I understand what you're saying, Clearwater Sooner. I do. But on the other hand, in a situation like this, I'm not sure you want to put all your chips in one pile because what pile are you going to put them in? If you're going to put them in the Davis Bevel pile, I think you saw last Saturday where that's going to get you, where it can get you. And realistically, that's not very far. And if you're going to put them all in the pile of General Booty or Nick Evers, neither of those guys has ever taken a meaningful snap at Oklahoma. General Booty has taken two, and they were both handoffs. Nick Evers hasn't touched the field yet. So... I understand right now on Tuesday of game week, if there is some uncertainty about what direction you're going to go at the quarterback position if Gabriel can't play. No doubt about it. Uh, But you say, obviously, we are looking at a situation where the best prospect of those three is Nick Evers. There's no doubt. It's just Mm, his youth and experience. And, again, young quarterbacks have won this game before. I talked about James Brown, the godfather for Texas way back when. Caleb Williams came in last year, engineered that historic comeback for Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler won it as a young player. So, again, it's a lot different, uh, you know, than it was way back in the day when you just didn't see freshmen hardly at all unless they were just unbelievable uh, jump in and go win that football game. It's happened, uh, you know, lately. But at the same time – you know, I don't know. Uh, Nick Evers, I, I'm, I'm warming up to the idea a little bit. It, and here's what I will say about the defense right now. And I don't know if this is a sentiment that uh, somebody like Teddy has echoed. I only caught the first segment of the rush yesterday, so maybe he's expressed this already. Uh, or maybe I'm just completely all alone in thinking this. And maybe this is something that nobody wants to hear me say. But... They're closer than it looks to playing good defense. Oh, we're close. I'm not, it's very, no, 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 I, I very, close. I very intentionally say, worded did, it like okay, that. Okay, you didn't say we're close. I did, I did not say they're close. I said they're closer than it looks because if you look at all those busts that happened on Saturday, and there were a lot of them, it's always one guy out of position. You have 10 guys on the same page, 
and one guy who blows his assignment. And I think what's concerning amidst that is it was never the same guy. Yeah, yeah, right? it's, absolutely. It's a variety of different guys. You could take guys. that guy out and say, dude, uh, time for you to sit on the bench for a while. But then somebody else would bust it. So I, you can look at two sides of the coin. You can say, well, seeing as how it was a different guy each time that screwed up their assignment, that doesn't bode well for the defensive effort this Saturday against Texas. But you can also look at it and say, if you can get all 11 guys on the same page as opposed to 10, or you just get an offensive play design that isn't able to exploit the vulnerability that the 11th guy being out of position creates, you're going to play better defense. So I'm not saying that all of a sudden this Oklahoma team is going to come out and be the 2000 Ravens on Saturday. But what I am saying is the errors that you saw Saturday upon further review to me, they're not as egregious as they looked and they're not as systematic as they looked. Again, I have no idea, nor do any of us, whether those types of things are going to be fixed by the time Saturday rolls around at the Cotton Bowl because it's one thing to play poorly on defense. It's another thing to follow up an atrocious performance against Kansas State with an even more atrocious one against TCU. So, By the way, if they don't fix the man, that south end zone is going to be empty by, uh, by halftime because they got to fix him. Six plays, Parker, last week for TCU, six plays totaled 352 yards. Sooners had 355 for the game offensively, yeah. and obviously Dylan Gabriel going down affected that big time. But, yeah, these explosive plays, they're, they're nuclear plays against Oklahoma. They've had nuclear meltdowns uh, the last two weeks, especially uh, the TCU game. All hey, right. shut up, text line. Parker Muleshoe Thune. Parker Thune or Lincoln <laughs> Riley on air right now. He did say uh, – he didn't say you, – you used closer. You didn't say we're close. So no, there's a little no. bit of a difference. Big Bad Wolf says you did not just go there, bro, been spo- smoking with Muleshoe. <laughs> Clearwater Sooner says PMSD just kicked in. Post-Muleshoe disorder. Look, yes. and I'm not going to sit here and say things are going to be drastically better this weekend against Texas because I don't know that for a fact. And – Again, I think what concerns you the most is that it wasn't on the shoulders of one guy missing their assignment against TCU. It was a variety of different guys. One thing I do feel like you can be confident about is if Billy Bowman is back in the equation, that alleviates a lot of the instability on the back end in the secondary. Because I think what you saw from the get-go as soon as he exited the game was... There's nobody on that roster that can play his position nearly as well as he can. We thought Justin Harrington was playing well for a while, right? In the preseason, they were talking up Justin Harrington. He had a horrible game uh, against TCU, by the way. All right, uh, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Mike Steele along with Parker Thune. This is the home of Sooner fans on a turn-the-page Bob Seger Tuesday. We're trying to anyway. We'll hear some more from Brent's. And... uh, you know, we might hear another clip from Sark as well. OU Texas, Saturday, 11 a.m. Our pregame show starts at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning right here on The Ref. We're coming right back.
We are back on a Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Riverwind Casino, we have a Beats and Bites concert coming up the night before Bedlam on November 18th, Friday, November 18th. It's going to be a great show. Wade Bowen at 6.30, the Eli Young Band at 8.30, Beats and Bites Festival, Bedlam Edition, Friday night, November 18th. Tickets are only 5 bucks at Riverwind.com. That's a heck of a deal. So, again, get ready for some Bedlam with a great show outdoors Friday night, November 18th at Riverwind Casino again, 6.30. It will be Wade Bowen on the Beats and Bites stage. And then at 8.30, it'll be the Eli Young Band taking the Beats and Bites stage. All of this brought to you by Riverwind Casino and Phillips 66. That is another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best. I like this interesting quote from Brent at the presser today talking about the comeback the Sooners made, a historic one. You know, you think of all the great plays, the Caleb Williams plays, the pass to Marvin Mims, you know, uh, Caleb Kelly uh, taking the ball on the kickoff away from Texas. Brent talking about the the OU comeback last year. He said, quote, last year was one of six wins that came down to the last possession of the game. And the seventh win against Kansas, that was an act of God to win that one. Yeah, an act of Caleb Williams, actually. (laughs) But... Yeah. yeah, in a way, that's true. And look, at this rate, it might take an act of God this year for them to beat Kansas. And so what What point is he making there? That, you know, these games, you've just got to make a play. You know, they, they sway. Yeah. But, you know, they were so far, they weren't in the same zip, co- zip code as being a few plays away Saturday. You know, K-State, maybe you could make that argument a little bit. But the defense, you know, you can't keep giving up these unbelievable – these aren't dynamite explosions. These are nuclear mushroom cloud explosive mistakes they're making leading to the explosive plays, uh, you know, for K-State certainly. And then big time uh, against TCU last week. You want to get back? Eric yeah. Eric uh, text line. Well, people have all kinds of opinions on what I said towards the end of last segment. This listener from the 580 says, well, yesterday – Parker said the defense sucks. We need to play younger guys. Now he's saying what Teddy been saying since Sunday on the Oklahoma break. Okay, so Teddy has been saying it. Good. Okay. Sounds like Parker did some homework. Uh, Look, the defense does suck right now. Let's call a spade a spade. It does suck. Whether it's and, one player out of position or not, it's leading to embarrassing moments. And, yeah, and you I, know, it, it's busts are going to happen here and there. Sure, but this has been way out of whack. Well, and as I discussed yesterday, I, I am still in favor of playing some of these younger guys a lot more. And the reason why is because they don't have to unlearn. They don't have to unlearn speed D. You don't got to rewire their brains as far as their assignments. This listener from the 918 uh, is kind of on my same train of thought here. Really think when they bust on defense, it's because one player missing assignments wants to just make a play instead of just playing sound, disciplined defense. They just go the they just go to where the ball is, not where it's going, if that makes sense. You know, it, it, look, I'm the master of the bad analogy, and I'm going to apologize. But it's like I will go. I've got uh, a guy when my swing goes really bad. I haven't gone to him in a while. His name's Ken Tate, great golf instructor in Oklahoma City. And when my golf swing gets way out of whack, which happens pretty much all the time, when it finally gets unmanageable, I'll go to Ken. And he'll straighten me out, and we'll be out on the range, and I'll start hitting the ball pretty well. Uh-huh. What happens when I get away from Ken, and I don't, tr- you know, I don't trust what he tells me, and I go back to my bad habits, within like you know, four or five bad shots, instead of trusting what he tells me, I go back to my... Bad muscle memory and start, you know, 
spraying it everywhere because I'm not trusting or believing what he's told me, you know, and that's probably a horrible analogy, but I kind of think that's what's going on with some of these guys on defense. To an extent. Zane in Tulsa says, hear me out. I know fans are always clamoring for more playing time for those on the bench when things aren't going well, especially at skill positions. But please, for the sake of the program, if nothing else, can we see what the tourists can do? <laughs> well, I like it, Zane. It needs, a, uh, it needs a coolant refill every 500 miles or so. But uh, it still runs. Might have to make the pilgrimage up to Nebraska and bring it back down at this rate. Uh, Parker, what injury does Major have and what is his status? Thanks, Lost City Sooner. Uh, I'm not going to comment on what the exact injury is, but as we discussed yesterday, the belief right now is that he's going to play this weekend. That is the belief. It is not a certainty, but things are trending in that direction as of right now. Uh this listener says, let's call a spade a spade. Venables needs a booty call. <laughs> uh, those, I don't know. Will those ever get old? No, never. No, I don't think so either. Uh, what are the odds we hear a Venables family Thanksgiving? You know, the problem is I've got two of, two of my guys uh, who are voices on those are no longer available with, you know, who they are. Lumps in Baltimore now, you know where Curtis is, and uh, – then we had one other person who would do a voice for us. So, you know, I did like three or four of them, but you need like ten voices. So I would say it's fairly unlikely, but you never know. Back to the text line here. Clearwater Sooner says, I don't think you're wrong, Parker. The phraseology just takes me to a dark, dark place. I have to call my PCP now for a prescription refill. Because I that is in reference to the fact that I said something. What, what, exact, what were my exact words? The defense is closer than you think. Yeah. Well, Which apparently for some people, and understandably so, it's a little bit too was, close for comfort yeah. to we're close. And Mule Shoe was always talking about, well, we're guys, we're close. We're close. This listener says, Javante Barnes is the best running back on the team. Need to fire him up as the starter. Uh, I'd, I'd slow my roll on that. And look, I say that as the OG in the Javante Barnes fan club. Right, like Eric I, Gray's played well. Eric Gray has been really good. Eric Gray, were it not for the existence of Bijan Robinson and Deuce Vaughn, would be in line for all Big Twelve honors at the end of the year, based on his performance to this point in the season. Uh, this listener that I want, but Javante Barnes is a curveball, is a really good curveball, right? Yeah, well, you know, it, here's the thing: if Major does play, is he a hundred percent? You wouldn't believe so. So maybe you see some Javante Barnes. Maybe you see quite a bit of Javante Barnes anyway on Saturday. He just rushed for 100 yards yeah. against TCU. He, he's got that special something about him. He's got a great burst. Uh, the two most important guys they really, 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 really need to get back are Dylan Gabriel and Billy Bowman. Yeah. You know? Man. Who, I, I don't think anybody reckoned with just how valuable Billy Bowman was and is to this Oklahoma defense. Well, what do they say in the preseason there. that he was he was the best guy in the yeah. – they kept singling him in out quite a bit, and mm-hmm. he's had a good season. And uh, obviously it's it's super obvious based on what we saw Saturday, the drop-off 
uh, you know, between Dylan Gabriel and everybody else right now. And look, Dylan Gabriel, if he's able to play, and I'm glad he's he's healthy. No, it doesn't look like uh, many major effects right now. He's still got to go through protocol, and if he does get out there, he's got to be better. I mean, he can't keep missing some of these easy throws, footwork, what RG3 was talking about. But, I, you know, without Dylan Gabriel, I just don't see Oklahoma being able to hang in there. And they may not be able to hang in there with Dylan Gabriel. We'll see. Crazier things have happened in the OU-Texas game, though. Dan says on the text line, nobody on the football team has been really good. Bowman has been good. I would dispute that. I would say Eric Gray has been really good. I would say Marvin Mims has been really good. I'd say Braden, Braden Willis, Willis has been, has been really, really good. good. Yeah. And quietly, Anton Harrison has been really good, too, which isn't as conspicuous. Yeah. But – I would say he's been really good. Defensively, yeah, I don't know if there's anybody that falls into the really good category thus far. Through three games, Reggie Grimes had been really good, but through five games, we're kind of back to square one. Isn't he on the one. He's on the back of a milk carton somewhere. He's been missing the last couple of weeks. He has not recorded a tackle. Yeah. All right, we got a break right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon. A lot of texts rolling in. Keep them rolling in. 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Good to have you with us on a Tuesday. It is OU Texas week. Do you feel good? Maybe not. We'll be right back. Will the Sooners still be alive after Saturday? Of course they will. It's a long season. It ain't over till it's over. All the cliches you can throw out there. Welcome back. Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. You guys are lighting up the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We appreciate that. 405-651-3439. Steely, I saw I saw that you tweeted out Saturday that this was the most embarrassing half of uh, football you've ever seen by Oklahoma. Do you remember Southern Cal and LSU? Yes, I. In fact, I talked about that yesterday. Here's the difference: LSU was maybe the greatest offense in college football history. That was a great. LSU team. Not bad defensively either, but I mean, you, you talk about Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, USC in the game in Miami, 55-19, to the game that really fell apart again on the Mark Bradley uh, fumble, muffing the fumble. But USC, that was a historic team. Both of those teams were loaded with NFL players. They were decked out with NFL players. TCU is a Pretty good football team. Not even in the same zip code as USC or LSU. Now, if you want to tell me those were more painful, yes. You know, you're a playoff game against LSU. You're in a BCS championship game against Southern Cal. But to me, the LSU game or the uh, TCU game 
that half of football. And probably that game was the most embarrassing performance by a Sooner team that I've seen. And I'm, I'm up there, man, in years. I'm up there. And, again, TCU, I think, even took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit in that game. So that's my take anyway. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's go. Shane in Newcastle says, if we run a three-man front against Texas, Bijan will break every single game rushing record known to man. Well, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Maybe. Hey, what is it? Ricky Williams still had the Cotton Bowl record. Uh, that matchup between Ricky and Demon Parker back in the day uh, was – was unbelievable. And uh, Ricky Williams went on to win the Heisman, obviously. DeMond Parker was a really good player for Oklahoma. Somebody go ahead and Google it up. But uh, I have a feeling that Oklahoma's going to play better this weekend. The question is, you know, who's out there playing quarterback? If you have Billy Bowman back, uh, you know, things could get interesting. Particularly if good things happen for Oklahoma, maybe early in the game. Uh, Texas, they got a fragile psyche, I think, as well. It's not nearly as fragile as Oklahoma's right now. It's like it's like Donnie in the Big Lebowski. He's fragile, very fragile. But uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd still be surprised if if the Sooners were able to go down there and and uh, keep it within the spread. But you know, a lot of that, a lot of it depends on who plays and how they play. A lot of it depends on whether the Drake Dyken curse or the curse of the White Buffalo is stronger. What, what have we officially dubbed the Drake Dyken curse? You had a name for it. Drake Dyken Doom. Okay, Drake Dyken Doom. There you go. Uh, Sooner Soldier says, I guess you have forgotten how bad Gabriel was. He was just like Bevel. This is our chance to give Evers a chance, and he might be the answer. Really? Really? Look, we've talked extensively about how Dylan Gabriel can be a lot better. Now, he was bad against TCU, yes. though. Yes, yes. Missed a lot of throws early on. But do not sit here and tell me that Davis Bevel could have accomplished what Dylan Gabriel accomplished through four games. Again, through four games, Steely tweeted it out. Dylan Gabriel's statistics were on par with that of Caleb Williams. Yeah, and I qualified that when I think Caleb is the better quarterback and Gabriel's got to get better, but those were the numbers through four games. You're right. Uh, (laughs) Parker, if OU wins out, and we get some help, could we still slip into the college football playoff? No. <laughs> no. Now, I will say, as I mentioned yesterday, the one time where I have heard national media and national pundits actually clamoring for a two-loss team to get into the college football playoff, it was 2017, and it was Big Ten champion Ohio State, which had lost a game by the exact same score, 55-24, to to Iowa, as Oklahoma just lost to TCU. So there's time and there's space to turn this thing around. If everything, and I mean everything, falls into place, Oklahoma could be a top 10 team again by the end of the year. But if no, Oklahoma they're not going to make the college football playoff. To the college football playoff, I will drive my vehicle straight into Lake Thunderbird and you'll never see me again. Some people might like that. No, I'll try I'm not going to hold you to that. Okay, don't don't hold me to that. All right, uh, TCU, TCU is okay, but they turned into Game Six. Clay Thompson last Saturday. Yeah, you know what though? If you give Clay Thompson wide open shots, you know, with nobody within ten feet of him on the court, he's probably going to knock down most of them. But yeah, 
Uh, what else do we have, Parker? <clears throat> uh, Sooner Kev says Sooners have to get more physical. Yep. No doubt. They've lost at the point of attack on both sides of the ball the last two weeks, and that's contributed significantly to those losses. Uh, is Venables in over his head as a head coach? Uh, so so that that's where we're at, I guess. Paul Feinbaum said something. Man, that is a bad situation. A bad situation down there in Norman. But look, we're going to play the clip uh, next hour from Brent uh, talking about where Clemson was last year. And it was a down year. Their offense wasn't very good. Their defense was good. But uh, DJ had a bad year. You know, they didn't have some of the guys. Uh, Etienne wasn't back and running back. And they were missing, uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence as well. But still, they ended up getting better. And that's what you got to hope for Oklahoma. Here's what I'm saying right now. And, again, this sounds very strange even to utter this. I am hoping that Oklahoma gets bowl eligible, wins six games, and saves the recruiting class. And when I listen to myself say that back, I'm like, really? That's what you have for Oklahoma six games? Well, the way they're playing right now, you know, getting three more might be difficult. I don't think they're going to play this bad. And historically, when I've seen fans totally freak, OU does get better. How much better can this team get? We'll have to wait and see. Another hour to go. Keep it here. We are back for hour number two, presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. We're talking about Exit 72 in Paul's Valley for a great deal on a car or a truck or SUV or a lightly used vehicle. That's what they call the used cars now, some places. But they have a great selection at the Seth Wadley Auto Group, and they also have that great guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at zero. No additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal from our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. We're going right back to the uh, Air Coverage Solutions text line here in just a second. Somebody was uh, texting us, please don't forget my question about Eric Gray. Keep sending it. it th- these texts, they roll in. It's like a stock ticker, man. They're going 100 miles an hour. We, I promise you we are not trying to ignore anybody. So keep sending it uh, if you can, and hopefully we'll see it again. But sometimes they are just flying in here so quickly that we can't get to them all. All right, a couple sound bites I want to play for you first. Brent Venables, obviously uh, everybody's disappointed. Nobody's more disappointed than the players or the coaches, but they can't, you know, wallow in all that uh, negativity right now. they got to get ready for Texas this week. This was Brent talking about a rough start last year about, uh, you know, this time of the year when Clemson was struggling and they came back to rebound and have a good year. A year ago, I was on a Clemson team that was four and three. I mean, everyone wanted to burn everything down and, uh, you know, got the worst players and coaches in, in, in America in the history of the game. And, uh, and that's having, you know, been to six straight playoffs and for the last six national championships and uh, six straight conference titles. So, uh, but that team made a decision uh, to get better and not, 
um, not allow themselves to uh, be influenced by the outside noise, only be influenced by uh, straining to do everything you can to improve every day. You know, one practice, one meeting at a time. It's literally how you do it. And, um, uh, you know, and not allow seeds of doubt or seeds of uh, division, you know, come into the locker room. And that team went on to win their 10th game. And uh, I don't know, I think that's 13 straight years. They've won 10 plus games, one of only two teams that have uh, currently have done that. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of mental toughness that you got to have. All right, and uh, Steve Sarkeesian, man, last year Sark again. Texas finishes five and seven. Uh, Longhorn fans weren't too happy about that, and now Texas coming in again, a touchdown favorite over uh, Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl Saturday at eleven a.m. Sark was asked this question about maybe his players possibly being overconfident. Coach, usually we would never use the term "rat poison" with. Texas OU week, but the fact that they have played the way they have, you guys are coming off such a good, good game. Is there any way you guys go into this game not being, you know, whatever, 100% committed? First of all, I appreciate the reference to rat poison. So that that was that was good. Um, I don't know how we could ever think to do that. Um, this this rivalry, this game, um, and what it all stands for and the way these two teams plays have have played in this game for decades uh we know more than ever uh, we're, we're going to get the best version of them uh, we need to make sure that they get the best version of us uh, they're a very talented team they're extremely well coached team hey we, we go through ebb and flows of a season new coaching staff new team I, we went through it too, but uh, this team's really good, and they play really hard, and they're really well coached. And uh, last time I checked this morning when I walked in our building, the golden hat wasn't in there. So we got plenty to, to get ourselves prepared to go for. There you go. Steve Sarkeesian from his press conference. You know, uh, one of the things I'm hearing, well, you know, the, the Sooners, one thing that's going to help Oklahoma is you've got to be jacked up and excited and, uh, you know, ready to play against Texas. You've got to be uh, – you can't be – sleepwalking through that game when you go into the Cotton Bowl. And, you know, I think that's true, Parker, to an extent. But at the same time, Brent hasn't talked about, you know, being a lack of effort or whatever. It's been more about mistakes and discipline than anything else. Um, But I I think it does serve Oklahoma well in this respect. Let's say if you are down as a football team, and, man, you're hearing all the criticism, you know, if you're playing – You know, let's say Kansas before Lance Leipold this week, you might, you know, even though you've lost two in a row, sleepwalk coming into that game a little bit. But for OU Texas, the juice should be there early, and maybe the Sooners, particularly if Dylan Gabriel plays, can keep that juice and get some momentum early in the game and and have a shot. Have a shot. Again, I'm taking Texas as my lock of the week. But they got to have some good things if they they get – like I said, Dylan back and Billy Bowman back. And if they have some good things happen in the game and Texas busts maybe early in the game like Oklahoma's been doing, then maybe you, you get yourself a game that goes down to the wire. But what do you think about uh, Texas and the rat poison this week? I Here's the thing. I don't know if it's really fair to call what Texas would, would be experiencing rat poison. Because rat poison is reserved for the top tier of college football. And Georgia just maybe had some rat poison last yes, week. Yes, yes, exactly. There's no uh, – merely being favored in a game 
does not create rat poison. Now, I will say this. There are a lot of folks that have taken a Texas victory to the bank this Saturday. I think we forget just how quickly that football program can unravel. And you saw that last year in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, You saw it against Kansas. You saw it against Texas Tech a couple weeks ago out in Lubbock when they led that game by two touchdowns. Then, boom, that lead's gone, and the Red Raiders are walking it off in overtime. So, I think if Quinn Ewers is back, obviously Texas fans can feel a little bit better about the state of their program heading into that matchup. But here's what I want to emphasize, Steely. And we talk about this every single year. It's just been a really long time since Texas was favored in this game. So maybe nobody is as eager to hear this observation this year as in years past. But anything can happen when these two teams hit the field to Cotton Bowl. And the last time we didn't have a one-score game. John Blake won a game at the Cotton Bowl. John Blake won a game at the Cotton Bowl. The last time that these two teams did not play a one-score game in the Cotton Bowl would have been 2014 when Texas won 36-20. to So that's been seven straight Red River showdowns that have been decided by one possession. This is going to be a close game. If Dylan Gabriel plays. I think if, if, Dylan, Dylan, if, if Dylan Gabriel plays. Yeah, and uh, it, I, I would still take Texas to win by 10 to 14 points, in my opinion, in that situation. But, you know, we'll see. We shall see. But you, you are really on the side if you think that Dylan's going to play right now. I, I'm I mean, optimistic. If you, if you had to guess yes or no right now, you're thinking that he's going to play. Again, yeah, if I had to put money down – and this again, this I want to emphasize this is not Intel. This is just my opinion because nobody has Intel on a concussion 48 hours after the fact. I guess it's 72 now. But nobody has Intel on a concussion that soon because this is a very touch and go injury. Yeah. But you never know. I I think him being at practice yesterday is a great sign. Even though he was not in pads, he was walking around, he was throwing a little bit. I think he's on track right now, assuming there aren't any setbacks, to be able to suit up Saturday. Now, I will say this, and this is kind of something that we talked about Saturday in the the immediate aftermath of the game. I think I mentioned it on the OU Insider Under the Visor podcast with Brandon Drum. Uh, there is a heightened stigma right now surrounding concussions because of all that has transpired with Tua Tungvaloa and the Miami Dolphins, right? So I feel as though there's going to be some increased pressure, whether internal or external, to be particularly cautious with Dylan Gabriel in the aftermath of this injury because you don't want to rush a guy back from a concussion after seeing what just happened to Tua last Thursday night. Here's an interesting one off the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. The Texas quarterbacks are not as good as Duggan and Martinez, in my opinion. I, I don't think Hudson Card is. Quinn Ewers, we have a small sample size, but it was pretty good uh, what he did against Alabama. But, you know, um, I I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. That What does the rat poison reference mean? That was a Nick Saban-created uh, reference 
when he talked about, you know, basically your team, right, reading how great you are and uh, – Succumbing how, yeah, to the noise. Yeah, absolutely. Either way, basically. Ted Roof needs to be on the sideline during the games. There's already a lot of people down there on the sideline. Don't you need an eye in the sky, though, defense? I guess you've got, you know, more people up there besides Ted Roof. But Here's what I'm wondering, Steely. I hate to even put this out there because – Ted Roof has taken so much slander he's the currently, past few days. He's currently the scapegoat but, favorite in the clubhouse. But but do you do you remember the year that James Gallagher was president at yes. the university? Yeah, yeah. Is Ted Roof James Gallagher? Is he the designated fall guy with a shelf life of one year? I mean, if it doesn't get any better, yeah, probably, which stinks. He seems like a good dude. He's, he could do radio ads, I could tell you that. Oh, yeah, he voice. could. I mean, Ted Roof's got himself a voice. He should do some voice work, but which would suck because, you know, he comes here with his son. TD got injured. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, there's always a, a scapegoat favorite, and right now he looks like the guy and because it's the defense, but still – Rat poison goes back to Mac Brown in 2005. He wore a rat around his neck at practice. What? I might be dumb enough to buy that. Is that real? <laughs> There's no way that's real. I mean, it's like unless it's like a fake rat or something. You never know. The roof is on fire. Yeah. Says the, five <laughs> the, the roof, the roof definitely is on fire. Roof. <laughs> Can we play a positive Ted Roof song? No. No, Steely. You no, don't think that no, would go over well? No, no one wants Up to Up on a them. roof. Come on. We can't do that. Uh, Clearwater Sooner asks, is Nebraska so bad that they made a bad OU team look like a playoff team, or are we playing just that much worse than we did at Nebraska? Trying to figure out if I'm watching the same team or a different team from the one that played at Nebraska. Cop-out answer. I know it's, but I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. You it know, is a little bit of both. I think it's a lot of OU, actually. Um, I'm still not convinced that Nebraska is just some horrible team that just can't play offense. And OU dominated that game. But, uh, but here's again a situation where a team's psyche is very fragile. Once the Sooners started delivering haymakers to Nebraska, they were done. Right? They were done. Unfortunately, when TCU did that to OU and Dylan Gabriel went out of the game, and then Oklahoma was probably done before he went out of the game, but Oklahoma was done. Because their defensive psyche went right back to where it's been, you know, for the past several years, where Sooner fans have been super frustrated. All right, we should take a quick break. 405-651-3439. Thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72. Paul's Valley, America. A great place with a great auto group. The Seth Wadley Auto Group. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. No additional cost to you. That's a great, great guarantee. Home of Sooner fans, the ref, we're coming right back.
All right, Steely, you got your wish. Ted Roof supporters unites. Bring it up. Bring it up. Unites as one. Wait a minute. There only is one right now. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. There's time. There's time. There's time. Ted Roof coordinated a national championship defense, right? He did that yeah, once. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. That was a thing that happened. Yes, he did. Look, it's going to take some time. I know Oklahoma fans are known for their patience. There is no doubt about that. They're very patient. Not really. But we'll see what's going to happen. But uh, they got to play better. All right, on the air coverage, that great analysis there, right? they got to play better. Steely, what do you think? they got to play better. Okay, uh, 618, ain't nobody on this Texas team even know what the golden hat looks like. Yeah, the last time Texas had the golden hat, they had it for about a month and a half. That's right. Uh, That was the Sam Ellinger over Kyler Murray game, and then the Sooners turned the tables and won the Big 12 there at Jerry World. There's got to be somebody left over. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. A few. I mean, there are several holdovers. Wasn't that like the the first game that Kyler Murray ever lost in his life? Pretty much. Yeah, I think it was his first loss since like Pop well, Warner. well, no, because he when he played at A and M. Well, yeah, were, that's right, that's right. He did yeah. at A and M. There were two. Uh, it was it was Kyler and was it Kyle Allen, the other guy that was there at the time? Yes, it was Kyle Allen. So uh, uh, that was the the post Kenny Trill era. That's right. Um, this listener says Cam Newton won that ship, not Roof. Let's not kid ourselves. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, you that is true. You guys take things way too seriously. Okay, thank you, Mr. Know-it-all. Scam Cam, Scam Newton. <laughs> this listener in the 918 says, speaking of young guys, I'm assuming Jaden Rowe is getting a red shirt. He has played in two games to this point. So I think, yes, the safe assumption is that he probably redshirts this year. Uh, when you look at the freshman class, we know for a fact Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis are redshirting, uh, for now at least. That is the plan. Um, Gentry Williams has already played in all five games, so redshirts off the table for him. Uh, he's been a key cog for the kick coverage unit and. He's made a couple nice plays. He's had an interception in coverage. So, uh, obviously, when you're talking about the freshmen that have played substantial snaps, that conversation kind of starts with Jaron Kanick, Javante Barnes. Uh, Jaden Gibson made his first career catch mm-hmm. this past week, and we've seen uh, we've seen quite a bit of Nick Anderson. We've obviously seen quite a bit of Gavin Freeman. Yeah, maybe they just run the, uh, the Gavin Freeman sweep and around – five or six times in this game. I mean, he's a playmaker. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. But, yes, you're right. That was a Cam Newton-led Auburn squad that won. But Ted Roof was the the D.C. Uh, Since Oklahoma is the home team for this game, what what recruits are we bringing to the game? It is a laundry list, folks. It is a long, long list. It is a who's who. Really, you can't tell them. You guys can. Uh, uh, 
Can you uh, come back for, well, let's see, what game could they come back for? Because I'm sure some Oklahoma fans are going, really? The recruits are going to show up? What about 63-14 to 14, like it was in Bob's blowout year? Yeah, we had one person on the text line saying, this is about to be most lopsided loss in OU history at the Cotton Bowl. I, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility if they play like they have <laughs> I mean, been playing, you know, really and truly. I don't. I think you need to make, you'd make that smart guy voice instead of the redneck voice. Yeah. Uh, this listener says, Baker Mayfield for quarterback coach. You know, it's funny. I, I always think back to, uh, obviously many people have seen the movie Moneyball. Great movie, not, by the way. Not, a, not as many people have read the book Moneyball. And there's this one particular point in the book at which they're talking about coaches. I think specifically hitting uh, hitting coaches. And the observation, I can't remember who Michael Lewis is quoting uh, in the particular uh, paragraph that I'm thinking of that I have in my mind's eye right now. But basically the sentiment is the best hitting coaches are the dudes that weren't great hitters. Because they don't try to make them like you because they sucked. Like Walt Riniak, wasn't he a great hitting coach back in the day? What about Hub Kittle? I always That was always a great name. He used so, to car, coach the Cardinals, uh, third base coach. I remember hearing Hub Kittle. How you doing? I'm Hub Kittle. Yeah. But he the, sounds like a, he should have his own automotive shop, by the way, Hub Kittle. The principle was all the – really good former players make mm-hmm. terrible coaches because they just try to make everybody yeah. a well, younger came, version of themselves. And it came so easy for them. Yeah. Right? You know? Uh, yeah. And there are some exceptions to that rule, but I get it. Sure. So um, what was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you, uh, oh, on the recruiting front, um, anything going on with – Peyton Bowen or Ryan Yates, is there any new news at all? Anything happening? No, no, nothing new is happening. I, I, I believe offhand that they're coming to the Red River Showdown. And, look, I I still believe in my heart of hearts that Peyton Bowen's going to be a Sooner. That belief was challenged last Wednesday when DJ Hicks flipped to Texas A&M at the 11th hour because, uh, understandably, you can – very easily see the exact same thing happening with Peyton Bowen, but uh, I I still I still hold to the principle that girlfriends are undefeated in recruiting. So I will I will ride with the girlfriends. If the girlfriends take an L for the first time with Peyton Bowen, I'll eat that L with them. Uh, <laughs> saw Eric McCarty play last Friday. Says one listener, he's a three star. If our four and five stars are a lot better than him, then we are in great shape. He plays on TV again Thursday night. Yeah, Eric McCarty is good. That is a good football player. That is a versatile football player. A complete football player. Doug and Norman says, uh, Charlie Lau was a great hitting coach but not player. Good call, Doug. Yeah, Charlie Lau, that's a good name. Good recall from Doug and Norman. Uh <laughs> Is it true Texas has created a purple alternate uniform? Where is where is that coming from? It's because teams in purple have beaten OU, uh, K-State, TCU. Okay. So dragging, you're seeing dragging. those memes out there and those photoshopped, you know, Texas wearing purple. So, uh, Gavin Sawchuck, question mark, says one listener, probably redshirting. 
and in fact, I would say almost certainly redshirting. He got some action for the very first time mm-hmm. in yeah. that TCU game. I remember Javante Barnes got in before Gavin Sawchuk did. As right? did Tommy Walker. Spring. Yeah, the, and uh, they still like Gavin Sawchuk. But sometimes, you know, he's not quite as uh, far along right now as the guys who got in earlier. Kendall, shut up about Cole Adams. <laughs> How is – man, I saw Teddy finally exploded on Twitter last night. I know. Yeah, you could tell he finally had enough. He finally had enough. And there, there's only so much pressure you can take sometimes. I, not that pressure is the wrong word, but it, you get, it's like the, the tea kettle that finally – well, t- Teddy, I'm sure, is not a tea drinker. I'm just saying he exploded. Finally, I, I, I was, was kind of laughing was, like Teddy finally reached his breaking point with people trying to tell him how to play defense. Was Teddy beefing with somebody when he was out on remote yesterday? Because I, too, I was I was grocery shopping. Yeah. And I got back in my car after getting all my groceries at like 4.30, and Tyler and Teddy were on air, and the text line was blowing up about how, oh, boy, do we need to come out and uh, give somebody a whooping for Teddy? I guess there was some fan out there. I was, was on my stream that time, so I wasn't able to listen. But I, I don't know if somebody was giving Teddy the business or what. But this was last night via via the Bird app. Seventeen hours ago, <laughs> Teddy says, "Quote: Shut the hell up. Go tell it to someone that wants to hear from you." <laughs> so he went full on Ben Stiller in Happy Gilmore. You could trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up. Uh, Wade in OKC says, I think it's great that so many formerly successful college coaches have settled here and text your show. <laughs> Are Mason Thomas available? Yes. That's yes. good. You know, they, they have not been able to pressure the quarterback much lately at all. I mean, the quarterback, it looked like Max Duggan was that schoolyard quarterback a couple times, you know, like just there were like they had to count to 10 Mississippi and it didn't matter. He was still out there pointing for guys. Run that! No, that way. You know, I have 25 seconds to throw the ball here. Keep running. It wasn't good. Okay, take a break right here. Uh, if you guys aren't getting your text read, keep trying. You know, copy and paste it or whatever, and keep sending it. Uh, it slowed down a little bit, but we were on the autobahn earlier, going about 115 miles an hour. Now we've slowed down to about 55 or 60. But if we missed yours earlier, try and resend it, all right? I, I promise you we try and get to as many texts as we can. And we shall return. Target more OU Texas college football right here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. It's a turn the page, Bob Seeger, Benny King, stand by me Tuesday. Welcome back, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Steelman and Thune at noon, Riverwind Casino, great promotions, got a great costume contest. 
happening this month at Riverwind Casino. And you know you need to get your wild card. If you don't have a wild card and you are uh, headed out to Riverwind and you play games like without your wild card, you're making a big mistake. You need that wild card. It gets you so much and uh, gets you involved in all of the great promotions they have out there. They've got a great program called the New Member 7 as well, which you can earn up to $450 in one day in that promotion. Uh, They also have the Ghost Ghouls and Giveaways promotion happening right now through October 28th. You can earn one entry for every five points on your Riverwind wildcard, five times the entries on Mondays. Then be there October 28th from 5 to 10 p.m. They're going to give out $500 in cash and $1,000 in bonus play every 30 minutes. And the Monster Money Mash costumes out at Riverwind on October 28th from 6 to 10 p.m. Patrons wearing a costume. You have to be registered at the North Promotions booth for entry into the Monster Money Mash drawing. Wear a costume, get registered, get in the drawing at approximately 10, 15 p.m., On that October 28th date, three winners will be selected to win $500 in bonus play each. We also know there is a uh, brand-new Beats and Bites show outdoors, Bedlam Edition. Friday night before Bedlam, the following Saturday, Wade Bowen on the stage at 6.30, the Eli Young Band at 8.30, Beats and Bites, Bedlam Edition, Friday night, October 18th, get your tickets online now at Riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a piece. Heck of a deal. That should be a lot of fun. That should be a really good time. Okay, you want to get back to the phone line or the uh, Air Coverage Solutions text line? Let's do it. One listener says, if Gabriel is out, no matter how minuscule it is, which quarterback puts OU in the best position to keep the game competitive? I think it's Nick Evers. I think it's Nick Evers. And I think the reason is because he's got the highest ceiling. And we've talked about the fact that he has more pure arm talent than any quarterback, probably on the roster. I would say even more so than Dylan Gabriel. Now, that doesn't mean he's a better quarterback than any of the other guys in that room because arm talent is only so much of the tapestry uh, that constitutes a successful quarterback at the collegiate level. But I think you got to lay it all on the line on Saturday if you don't have Dylan Gabriel. And you got to say, you know what? Nick Evers didn't look great in the spring game. Looked like he was still adjusting to the speed of the collegiate game. But, man, we need a guy that can let it rip. We need a guy that can stand there in the pocket and be a gunslinger and push the ball downfield and create big plays. Look, I I wish I had the answer to that, but we just don't know. But I'm with Parker on this situation. Uh, If you're talking about – potential Nick Evers is that guy. We didn't see a lot from Davis Bevel. I mean, Uncle Rico could throw a football over those mountains. Davis Bevel, at least last week, could not uh, and wasn't the fleetest of foot either. But I would say uh, Nick Evers, again, in terms of potential, would be that guy. And, you know, if he wins, I can see the headline, like in the Oklahoman, just in the nick of time. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> Peyton on the text line says, they would never throw out a true freshman for his first ever snaps in this game, sadly. Yeah, that's never happened before, has it, Steely? Yeah, it's happened a few times. Like, last year, turned out pretty good. But, of course, uh, I'm not even I'm, – I'm trying to get past that stage. So, I'm not even going to say anything. This listener says, for reference to what you're saying, Spencer Rattler had more arm talent than most and still does, and you see where he's at. Exactly. 
arm talent is not the whole picture and should not be regarded Spencer as Spencer Rattler cannot read defenses, no. basically, is what we're, what we're talking about. I would still argue he has one of the top three arms in college football. There are very few individuals across the country who can throw the football the way that Spencer Rattler does. But with him, it's all between the ears. And who knows? It might be the same with Nick Evers. But I think that's a risk you have to take on Saturday. Because I think what you saw, or rather didn't see from Davis Bevel last weekend, can help you assert with some degree of confidence that we're probably not winning this game with Davis Bevel at quarterback. And look, I like General Booty. I do. I'm not trying to disregard him in all this. But I, I, here's the best way I can put it with General Booty. I think he's a, he's a good player, but his ceiling is only so high. The guy with the highest ceiling in that room is Nick Evers. And I think you got to ride or die with it if you're down Dylan Gabriel on Saturday. Maybe this whole conversation is moot by Friday mm-hmm. because Dylan Sooner Gabriel's fans active. are hoping Wouldn't it is. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, there are certainly a lot of Dylan uh, detractors out there. Everybody's happy that he's okay, which is great. I, I think the kid, I like the kid. I think he's just got to make better throws and get better fundamentally that footwork and everything that's making the ball sale. It was at its worst against TCU last week. The thing is, though, here – you know, a lot of people would say, oh, man, you're going to put a freshman in there to take his first snaps in the Cotton Bowl? Are you kidding me? Look, Caleb Williams was is on a different level than Nick Evers. You yeah, know, we, yeah. Down we, the we road, can all acknowledge that. Down, down the road, we don't know what Nick Evers will be. Maybe he won't play. Maybe Jackson Arnold will keep him on the bench. You know, Jackson Arnold's more highly rated coming out of high school, too. But Evers is a four-star who has some talent. Here's the issue you get into. Uh, Texas is going to score in this game, and they're going to score a bunch if the defense plays like it did. You know, they'll they'll put 60 on Oklahoma. Believe me, there won't be a Longhorn feeling sorry for the Sooners. They could maybe name a number, you know, in if Oklahoma plays as poorly as they did. Look, I don't think Oklahoma's going to play that poorly, but you're going to have to score a lot of points to win this football game. Davis Bevel, you do the conservative thing – which I, I'm still leaning to thinking that's what they'll do, but we'll see. But if you, you know, Texas goes down the field, Davis Bevel goes three and out on like two straight series, the avalanche is on. The avalanche is on, right? And look, maybe Nick Evers comes out there and he throws a pick six on, you know, on a, uh, on a drive where he's had a couple first downs. You never know. But in, if you're seriously trying to win the game, and I still think they are, um, he looks like, again, the guy that might give you the best chance just from a potential standpoint. Yeah, and so. that's the thing. You have to go in with the mindset of playing to win the game rather than playing to not lose the game. Because if you're playing to not lose the game, it makes all the sense in the world to trot out Davis Bevel. But the way your defense is playing right now, you cannot afford to go in there with the mindset of we're going to start the guy that gives us the best opportunity to not lose the game. Because – when that is the mindset that you have, that's largely contingent on the performance of your defense in general. Tulsa, or I'm sorry, Rob in Tulsa says, heard on the airwaves that some were worried that Venables had already lost the locker room. Any thoughts on that? What Rob, I like I, Rob. He's a great dude in Tulsa. Good friend of mine. But you must be listening to KTBS radio because, no, I don't think he's lost the locker room. 
I don't know uh, who's reporting that. Look, I'm sure people aren't real happy in that locker room right now. I mean, when you lose the way you have the last couple weeks, uh, you could kind of see it in Brent's face today at the press conference. He was still relatively upbeat, but, man, that, that those losses take a toll on you. You've got to put them behind you and get ready to play this week. But I don't think he is uh, close to losing the locker room anywhere. Here's close. what happens when you lose a locker room, and this is just one symptom. What happens is you have a situation like the one that was reported down at SMU yesterday. And I don't know I don't know if you saw this, Steely. Four guys, yeah. A whole bunch of players that are gonna sit out the remainder of the season, preserve their red shirt year, and enter the transfer portal at season's end. When you lose the locker room, that's the type of thing that happens. You get guys that are checked out, you get guys that become lone wolves, you get guys that uh, don't want to give the time of day to their peers or their coaches. I don't get the sense that that is the case right now at Oklahoma. And I I've I haven't heard nearly enough about the goings on in that locker room to believe that Brent Venables has come close to losing anybody. They practiced late last night, way late as a matter of fact. The defensive backs were still out on the practice field like 8:30 p.m. They sent us, the media, home from post-practice availabilities before the defensive backs were done practicing. And what they were doing is a very simple drill. It was turn, find the football, which after Saturday, that's a drill that needs to be done a lot this week, right? Yeah, you found out again that last week uh, tackling a receiver when you're in position to potentially make a play, tackling a receiver is not the best move. That is out of desperation – and bad fundamentals, and, oh, my gosh, I'm about to get embarrassed here. Try and make a play on the ball. I mean, it was ridiculous that was going on so much. By the way, somebody's asking, why isn't Micah Bowens in the mix to play? Yes, and here's why. And I I know people have all kinds of opinions on this because they know Micah Bowens is a mobile guy, and he is. He's a very mobile guy. In fact, there had been some talk in the past of maybe moving him to running back if that gave him a more feasible path to playing time. But right now, Micah Bowens is sixth on the depth chart at quarterback. Sixth. And it's because, and I'm going to put this as delicately but as bluntly as possible, he's not a great thrower of the football. So, trust me, you've seen the throws that Dylan Gabriel has missed. You saw the throws that Davis Bevel missed. It would be more of the same, and perhaps even more so, if you threw Micah Bowens out there. People remember the one throw he made to Jaden Gibson in the spring game. And they're like, yeah. well, why, why don't we put that guy in there? Well, that was like, uh, what, a seven-yard slant and that went for like 90 yards, It right? was a post. It was a, it, it was a downfield throw. It was a downfield yeah. throw? And it was a good yeah, one. Okay. I'll give him credit for that. You're right. But uh, listen, that's <laughs> that shouldn't be the expectation that you should have for Micah Bowens if there ever comes a situation, and I'm not convinced there will, where he gets on the field in a game-time situation in Norman. Jared Canick played quarterback in high yeah, school, right? Wildcat. I mean, if you, here's the thing. If you're just trying to go Jarek McKinnon, Georgia Southern, in the swamp in 2012 and put the ball in the air four times, just run the ball 65 times and see what that gets you, then maybe we can start having the conversation about Micah Bowens getting a slice of the action. But that that can't be the game plan that you walk into this weekend with because 
you're not going to be able to count on your defense to keep Texas off the board. And if you can't keep Texas off the board, you're going to have to throw the ball. You're going to have to have a guy behind center that can throw the ball and push it downfield and allow guys like Marvin Mims and Jalil Farouk to create big plays. Right now, Parker, uh, I hear what you're saying. You said Bowens can't throw the ball. Let's line up in the wishbone and let Bowens run the triple option. That's what we'll do. Yeah, and again, like I, I know that's been thrown around a lot on social media. Even if that were feasible, you couldn't do that right now with how your defense is playing. You could not mm-hmm. because you have to have game control and you have to have strength on the other side of the football for the triple option to be effective. Yeah. All right, we're going to break right here. we got one more segment to go. We'll get to as many texts as we can on a Bob Seger Turn the Page Tuesday. I think we turned the page pretty well. Pretty well. Not great execution, but decent execution. You guys are helping us out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. This was me uh, Saturday afternoon, last Saturday. There is no doubt I was losing it. Will the Sooners go Gloria Gaynor on Texas this weekend in Dallas? We'll see. They are a seven-point underdog in the matchup down in Dallas. 11 a.m. kickoff. Got a Kansas rooster, too, Parker. Will the Sooners be roostered out the rest of the year? Probably so. Will they be relocated to 230? Uh, Unless they really get on a roll. And one of those late-season matchups against a Baylor or an Oklahoma State becomes must-see TV in the race for a berth in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, you're probably in for a lot of roosters from here on out. Please, please, for the love of all that's holy, please, no 11 a.m. kickoff in Lubbock. No part of me wants to spend my Thanksgiving weekend in Lubbock anyway, least of all for an 11 a.m. kick. Last regular season game, that could be it for the Sooners. They don't turn it around. Got to get three more to get bowl eligible. I guess if they have They'll a – three more. If they – I've got Oklahoma at six and six right now. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you got them at seven and five, right? Or are you going higher than that? That depends on Dylan Gabriel's status. There's uh, – ask, ask me again on Friday. So you think, are you picking the Sooners with Dylan Gabriel? Well, here's the thing. You picked him as your lock with the 6.5. Some I, people, I picked some him people as my like upset. You're upset. That's right. That's yes. right. You're upset. That's right. Yes, because I'm banking on the Drake Dyken doom uh, holding true to form this weekend. But here's the thing. We talk about it every year. We've talked about it for several months. The Red River Showdown is always a turning point in Oklahoma's season. So... If they go and win this football game as underdogs, does that set the table for them to start getting hot? I would say, yeah, there's a good chance. If they lose this game and suddenly have dropped three straight for the first time since the year I was born, Steely, 1999, 
then things can get out of hand if you don't stem the tide. So yeah, a lot is no riding doubt. on this weekend. Well, and uh, what should the panic level be at for Suter fans out there with this already really good-looking 2023 recruiting class uh, if the Sooners lose Saturday, particularly if they lose and they get blown out? Do you start – do you order I, the code red? No. I. It'll be a code something. I don't know exactly what I, – I don't want to speculate on what that will look like because – there are so many things that could play into that whole conversation and so much depends upon how the game goes down this Saturday. So I, I don't want to get too far out of my skis in that conversation, but yeah, naturally the recruiting concerns are going to be amplified if they go and lose again. Yeah, it's, uh, it could get, uh, it's already ugly right now, man. You lose, like I said, your first year as the OU coach, one of the things I talked about, well, you got to be you need to beat Texas more than they beat you to stay employed. And you certainly don't need to be losing a lot of games to Oklahoma State. And unless the Sooners turn it around, those are obviously looking like two very big possibilities. Cowboys are playing some really good football, no doubt. Man, that's a good win in Waco over the weekend. All right, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. We appreciate you. Thank you to Air Comfort Solutions. All the texts today were really, really good. And thank you to our friends at Riverwind Casino. Bedlam Beats and Bites, Friday night, November 18th. Wade Bowen, Eli Youngband, tickets at riverwind.com.